If your spider plant is looking peaky and that Venus flytrap you bought just kicked the bucket, you need On The Ledge, the podcast about indoor gardening where you learn everything you need to know to keep your house plants looking lush. I'm Jane Perone. Join me and a host of wonderful guests to chat all things houseplants at On The Ledge Podcast. Welcome to the Miles to Memories podcast. I'm Sean Coomer, and I'm joined today by my co-hosts, Joe Chung and Mark Osterman. This week on the show, we are going to talk about dining rewards credit cards. What's the best? What do we carry around? I'm going to give you a little review of the brand new Grand Hyatt at SFO and my uh, little trip up to San Francisco this past weekend. And we're going to talk about gift card reselling plus the latest round of American Airlines shutdowns. Before we get into the show, let's talk about subscribing. You can find all of the links to subscribe at mtmpodcast.com, and you can subscribe on Apple, Google, just about anywhere that you can find podcasts. And finally, if you have been enjoying the show, please consider leaving us a great review. Helps us reach more people. Also, tell a friend. All right, let's get into it. Guys, how are you doing today? Joe, you sound uh, a little sick. Yeah, I've been uh, fighting a cold for a couple weeks, and... I'm at that point where I actually feel a lot better, but um, my voice is cracking, and yeah, it like feels like this, it sounds like there's like a frog in my throat and stuff. So, other than that, hanging in there, you know, it's snowing as it does. I'm sure uh, Mark will have plenty of laughs today to uh, drown out the lack of uh, of your voice. <laughs> he sounds like uh, there's a legend on our local radio station in Detroit called Smoker Jackie. He sounds like her, like he's he's <laughs> done 37 packs of cigarettes in the last 30 32 minutes. Well, uh, I have a problem, okay? So I don't appreciate you. Uh, I'm worried about your lungs, man. Well, I guess I appreciate that aspect of it. Yes, thank you. Yeah, I guess I have to. Uh, Han said I have to laugh more. So, and that was very, made Joe very happy. Yeah, I'm going to reiterate, okay, listeners, do not encourage this man. <laughs> Probably Just a good make idea. sure you uh, tweet at as the Joe flies when uh, you want to make sure we do more stuff. Especially instant, instant mute, instant block. <laughs> and shout out to Han. I mean, that gave Mark got so much mileage out of that tweet this whole entire week. Uh, <laughs> I shared it multiple places. Okay, see, this is the this is the unvirtuous cycle. You're you're you know shouting out Han, who keeps us shouting out Mark, and then the unvirtuous cycle will just uh, keep repeating. So that's no good. I have uh, some real updates, guys. If uh, we're done messing around, okay. So, uh, number one, Mark, thank you. I did apply for the Chase Inc. Preferred for my wife, and she got approved for that. So, I'm working on that. Nice. And it's uh, the holiday season, so that's going to be um, done pretty quickly. And so, you know, hopefully 80,000 Ultimate Rewards points there. And then also, I did end up applying for that City Expedia uh, Voyager card, you know, on that Black Friday deal where it was 70,000 points. At the time, I was hoping, um, because I forget, uh, I think Miles talked posted that like oh if you use it for their um, premium or special hotels or something you get i think it's like the vip yeah vip exactly thank you um those seventy thousand points from the sign up bonus are worth a thousand dollars worth of hotels and he posted something that had disney hotels on it and i was like oh shoot a thousand dollars for disney uh turns out Disney hotels are not included in the VIP, but you know, it's still worth $500 and a random kind of thing that I happened upon is I was looking for hotel availability um, at a specific resort in Disney art of animation. And there was none on the Disney website, but they did have it through Expedia. So uh, just a reminder, if you're looking for Disney hotels, you can always look for it uh, on Expedia. And now I have this card, so I'll have all these points to burn. So we'll see how it goes. Now, have you found any other VIP hotels? Cause I wondered how, easy it is to use it for those for that extra value otherwise you know the points aren't as great but i kind of figured it, it would be difficult so there are a couple um you know i only you know i haven't had a lot of time with my sickness and everything that's going on with the holidays to do a lot of extensive research except for in the orlando area there are a lot of the disney springs hotels which disney fans will know extend a lot of the same benefits as normal disney hotels uh, except for the fact that they're not run by disney but like you get um 60-day fast passes, and you get extra magic hours and stuff like that. Anyway, some of those hotels that are by Disney Springs, so 
close walking distance to Disney's kind of like mall fun type area, they are VIP. So, you know, you can use them for Disney hotels, although those hotels usually are much more inexpensive than Disney hotels. So, you know, your mileage may vary whether that's a good deal or not, but I haven't searched uh, elsewhere yet. And they all have huge resort fees too. True. True. Just to, just to <laughs> way to be a Debbie Downer. Jeez. No, I actually always <laughs> like having, you know, hotel credit, things like that for, for one-off hotels that are, you know, not part of the major approach program. So I think that, uh, this is, that's a great deal. If you have 500 bucks that you can uh, spend, or if you happen to find a VIP hotel that works even more. Yeah. Um, I but, think I might grab it if it, uh, goes back up to 70 K just, just because of like the North, when I go up North in Michigan, there's a non-branded hotel that, would probably come up in Expedia and it'd be good, good use for that type of stuff. Like the mom and pop places or the bed and breakfasts and, and everything like that. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely not like the most exciting card in the world. It's funny. I was looking at some like credit card review sites and they're like, this is great. If you like extracting value and deciphering programs. And I'm like, uh, no, this program sucks. Like it's, (laughs) you're not really, I mean, extracting value in the sense of making sure that it's not garbage value. Um, so anyway, don't go to those sites. But um, but the thing that I will say for sure is, you know, it's not the best travel card, but it's still better than the Nordstrom card, folks. So <laughs> I just want to sure. there would have been no tantrums for for this sign up, but Nordstrom, yes, <laughs> Nordstrom is not okay. Can you believe this, guys? Okay, she got this card on Black Friday, and I don't know what they do with you know how most credit cards like the first statement doesn't close for like longer than a month. Her statement closed already. It's only been two weeks. Like, what's wrong with this card? Hate it. <laughs> Just they anything they can do to like needle you, they're gonna do. They're gonna have the most annoying. Yeah, Nordstrom's freaking trolling me. They're listening to this podcast and they're trolling me. Anyway, all I'm right, waiting. Got, for my that. voice got to take a break. Sorry. I'm waiting for the Nordstrom shutdown letter to come out. <laughs> <laughs> oh. One shout out I want to say is uh, Patrick Sugarman. Uh, we did a pr- impromptu miles uh, and points meetup in Detroit on Sunday night. And uh, he had a company suite at the Red Wings game. And they do it if, they, if they're not using it for, you know, whining, dining clients, they kind of open it up to employees to use. So he had us all out there, which was pretty insane. An amazing experience. And, you know, quite a few people, some people drove from like an hour and a half away to come down from the Bay City area. And, and we had the regulars from the meetup come uh, from the Detroit area. So it was a, a great night and a, an awesome time. And I can't thank him enough for doing it. It looked incredible. Yeah, I know you were jealous. but it's <laughs> Always <great>. jealous. <laughs> I know. Games are like uh, one of the best uh, live sporting events to attend. Although, I don't know, with the box, do you kind of not get the feel of the hits as much? Well, I, I will uh, tell you the truth, Joe. I, I did a baseball uh, type of who am i, I talking didn't. to you don't go to sports arenas to watch the game yeah. <laughs> like, i'm me. not i'm yeah. not a huge hockey fan like as in not a fan at all i mean i will agree that live it's it's pretty amazing but the red wings are uh pretty much garbage this year so i did not watch any of the game i just stood in the back and we all kind of talked and people would go watch the game come back and converse and you know how i like to talk when i'm in a group sean <laughs> Well, fun fact, I actually got invited to a Vegas Golden Knights game tonight, but I had to record this podcast. So I'm still waiting for and my invite, invite from Dave. Dave, come on, man. Hook me up. <laughs> Dave will hook you up, but he doesn't get a lot of notice. And you like to talk just in a big group? Yeah, right. <laughs> You'd know if you'd show up to anything, Joe. Come on. New no, Orleans. Well. It's gone. I did get uh, Patrick to come to New Orleans now. He was on the fence, but that night I sealed the deal. Awesome, Patrick. Thanks. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, before we move into the main show, just a reminder, February 9th, that weekend, we are co-hosting a meetup with Award Travel 101, Travel on Points. February, February 8th. Miles. February 8th. I said February. What, what day did I say? I thought I said, said February 9th. Oh, we don't sorry. want anybody flying it on Sunday. Okay. Yeah, that's, yes. <laughs> so the weekend of the 7th to the 9th, I don't know where I got the 9th in my head for, but that weekend uh, and Saturday the 8th is the main day. We're doing a a meetup co-hosted with uh, all those fine people and uh, miles to memories.com forward slash events for all of the information on that. Let's get into the show. Uh, we wanted to talk a little bit more. We talked a little bit about credit cards, but uh, on the site this week, we had a article all about the best credit cards for dining rewards and for getting the most return on your spend when eating out. Do you guys, uh, Mark, uh, do you eat out a lot? Do you guys have a lot of uh, spend at restaurants? We probably do eat out more than we should a couple times a week, at least. And with a family, you know, that can that can be expensive. And then when, whenever we travel, you know, you're always eating out nonstop pretty much unless you're staying at a, 
a condo type of resort where you have a, a kitchen. Even then, I probably wouldn't cook because I'm on vacation. Why do I need to cook? But yeah, so it's a it's a decent amount of spend in our household. I would say, you know, several hundred dollars a month. Other people uh, that live in like big cities and stuff probably spend even more than that. So yeah, it's, it's something that I focus on. How about you guys? Yeah, I think that uh, we, we certainly are like you. We have a decent amount of spend, um, but we're not eating out every single day. But uh, what I found by from this list, and we're going to go through the cards here in a minute, but I found that I have way too many of these cards. So I guess I'm always uh, I'm always good when it comes to uh, to dining. Um, I know Joe will chime in as we go. He's trying to save his voice a little bit. But let's start with, let's go through the cards, kind of talk about what we have, which cards we use the most. The first card, and I think if you talk about in miles and point circles, the card that everybody has been talking about since they revamped it is the American Express Gold Card. And for a lot of people, that's going to be the best card for dining because it earns... 4x membership rewards at restaurants anywhere in the world and then it's also a good card because it gets 4x membership rewards at grocery stores and up to twenty five thousand in spend and it has various different credits has a dining credit um that's good at like where's it good at cheesecake factory grubhub am i missing anything or i think uh shake shack right is it okay shake shack and grubhub are um yeah. Like it's one or the other. So it's ten dollars for Grubhub or Shake Shack. Isn't Cheesecake Factory also included in it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Sorry, all any the of food those. credits are together, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so, PDX Steel's guy's gonna be very mad that you didn't uh remember Shake Shack Shake Shack. <laughs> it's so yeah, favorite. it's a good card, but it comes with a two hundred and fifty dollar annual fee. Who here has that card? Not me. I do. I'm probably gonna be downgrading my wife's uh, platinum unless they give us another retention offer. Last time they gave us 20,000 points after spending three grand. So if they give us something similar, I might hold on to it. But if not, it's probably going to get downgraded to the gold since we've both had it in the past for a welcome offer. So there's no point in signing up for it. I have the uh, special rose gold version of the card, which I really like and carry around. I mean, it's kind of cool because, you know, if you do take advantage, it has a $100 airline incidental fee credit and that $10 a month, so 120 annual dining credit at the restaurants we mentioned. So if you can, you know, take advantage of those, that almost offsets the the annual fee and then you earn quite a bit of points on it. So I, I do think it's a card that we'll probably end up keeping. What about you, Joe? Is it a long-term holder hold for you? Yeah, the grocery store category is uh, too good to me. And, you know, I actually, even though uh, the next card on the list is better, I generally default to that Amex Gold for restaurants just because I prefer membership rewards points. And also it's like literally at the top of my wallet uh, or the wallet uh, sleeve. So, you know, I always just end up taking it out first. All right. And speaking of the next card, the next card on this list is the City Prestige. That's a card, man. Like I still like when I hear the name City Prestige, I still initially have this good feeling towards the card because it used to be such a great card. And then over the years, they've taken away a lot of benefits. But one of the things that they did add, what, about a year or two ago was 5X thank you point earning at restaurants and on airfare. So that card actually is probably the best overall earner at restaurants, but it carries a $495 annual fee and uh, gives a few things like a $250 credit travel credit every year. And priority pass membership and uh, a, a limited fourth night free benefit on hotel bookings. But I, it's a card I've ha- I've held because I've had a three hundred and fifty dollar annual fee kind of locked in the last few years. But now that that's changed and they're going to be charging me the full annual fee, I think I'm going to cancel it. Do either of you guys have the uh, prestige? No, I, I had it when it first came out, but when they nerfed the value of it 10 months in right after they launched it, which I think was the stupidest thing ever, but it was my favorite card for, for those sweet 10 months when you could get you know access to AA lounges and 1.6 cent redemptions on American Airlines and, and the golf benefit was cool. You know, you got to, I got to golf a couple courses that were expensive and it didn't cost me anything. So I wish they would have gotten rid of one or two of the things and not everything all at once. So I dumped it and never looked back, and I don't think I'll ever pick it up again. I have it. They still have not upped my fee from being City Gold. I think they will this year, but um, it's been three fifty for like four years, even though I haven't had City Gold for forever. But City's IT is yes, that great City IT. <laughs> yeah, it's not the yeah. best. Um, <laughs> so as long as it's three fifty, I'll probably hold on to it. Effectively, it's only a hundred dollars, but yeah, it's always on the short list of cards to cut if it comes to it. Yeah, I had heard anecdotally that this year they have fixed something and they're starting to raise the price on those uh, people who are locked in at three fifty, um, and that act, my annual fee just hit uh, in the last week or so, and it is at the higher price now at the four ninety five. So 
Uh, I think that crushing most people, Joe, you're crushing Joe's dreams right now. Well, I mean, I hope he continues. Uh, <laughs> he continues to get it. Don't get me wrong, but uh, I'm having a bad least... week. So, uh... <laughs> all right. Well, Sidney, <laughs> don't crush his dreams by increasing your annual fee to four ninety. Joe can only take so much disappointment in a seven day span. Yes, uh, yes, that would. <laughs> City, that would possibly be the most crushing thing that could happen to me this week. So please don't do that. <laughs> All right. And then let's move on. Uh, let's kind of work through these. The other big card I think that a lot of people have is the Chase Sapphire Reserve. And that's a card I actually carry because I have a lot of travel expenses. So I, I carry because it, it earns 3x on dining and travel. And I and I do like those uh, those points. So I generally, depending on if it's business spend or personal spend, I'm usually doing the gold uh, or the Sapphire Reserve. It comes with a $300 annual travel credit on a $450 annual fee. And uh, for me, I really enjoy that I can redeem points at 1.5 cents each towards travel. And I can combine my points that I earn with chasing cards and freedom cards and all the other cards uh, together and then use them for that for that benefit. Do you guys use the Sapphire Reserve for dining? Is it a card that either one of you guys carry? I don't think so, but I do not have it. Um, And I'm actually going to sign up my wife. Uh, She drops under 524, but I'm going to get her the preferred for the first year because there's more value in it the first year. And then after the 12 months is up, I'll upgrade her to the reserve. So we'll have it then. But currently, I guess I'm like Ofer on this list. I'm scrolling down. I got the last one <laughs> and yeah. I don't use it for dining. <laughs> uh, I have the card, but I don't use it for dining. All right. And do you, if people were considering it, Joe, do you, why do you keep this card? Why do you, uh, you keep the Sapphire reserve or why do you have it? Uh, I have it for, you know, I do get value from um, 1.5 cents per point for uh, cash bookings. And so, you know, I just have one. Uh, my We used to have two, um, but now I only have the one. And so, you know, it, it works out for me. But I think, uh, again, I don't know. I, I need to, this just reminds me, I need to go through my list of cards and uh, cut a lot of them. So maybe it'll, it'll be on the chopping block too. In the interest of not making you pause for like three minutes and do math on live on the podcast again, do you think you book enough at 1.5 cents to make it really worth the annual fee versus just having like a preferred or just using one of your ink cards? Oh, yeah. I don't need to pause. Yeah. No, I don't uh, for sure. <laughs> so that one's going in the dumpster. And Mark has a good uh, article on the site saying uh, comparing whether you should have the Sapphire Preferred or the Sapphire Reserve. And we have a full in-depth review of the Sapphire Reserve and actually all these cards so that you can go in and see not only what they earn, and but also all the detailed analysis that we provide on, on which ones we think you should get, why, things like that. And so I know we do have a lot of information about the Sapphire Reserve. And it's probably not the card for most people, but uh, some people with the right amount of spend and who are heavily invested in ultimate rewards, it can be a good card. Yeah, for sure. Definitely like a road warrior. It's a great card for them. All right. And then the last couple of cards, we'll talk about the Capital One Saver card. That's a cashback card, zero uh, introductory fee the first year, and then it's 95 after that. That actually was one of the first cards that came out. It came out a few years ago when the banks really started kind of concentrating on the dining and entertainment uh, segment. And that earns 4% cashback. So if you're interested in cashback with a lower annual fee, that one's actually pretty good. Um, we also have the Hilton Aspire card earns seven X Hilton Honors points, and also the uh, what is it the Surpass card earns six X Hilton Honors points at restaurants. Yep. and then and then also the Wells Fargo Propel card, which is another cashback card, but that actually comes with no annual fee, right? And it earns three uh, percent cashback. Correct. Yeah. So those are some other options. Any of those cards you guys carry and are using for dining, Mark? I know you said you have one of them. You have the Aspire card, but you're not using it for dining. I go a little bit different on my uh, when I use dining because we have two uh, World of Hyatt cards and one of the uh, Surpass cards. So we're always, you know, rotating between those three to hit the 15K free night spend, which each card after you spend $15,000, you get a free night uh, for the Hyatt cards. It's a category one to four. And for the uh, Surpass, it's uncapped, but it's Friday, Saturday or Sunday night. Those three cards I focus on because they all have dining bonuses six times on the Surpass and two times on the World of Hyatt card. So when you're using that, like the Hyatt card, as long as it's in the fi- first 15000 uh, in spend, you're actually earning like another point per dollar, essentially, with that free night. So it's three times, which is puts it on par with like the, the uh, reserve and stuff like that. And with the Hilton card, if you max it out at a category uh, 95000 a night, the top category, you're actually earning like another six times. So you're earning 12 times 
per dollar on that first 15,000 in spend. So that's the way I do it between the three cards, $45,000 a year. That's where most of our, pretty much all of our dining goes. And one last thing before we close out to, to that I think is good advice whenever you're looking at any specific card for a specific category of spend, make sure you're spending enough in that category to justify getting a card for that category. You know, what if you have a 2% cash back card that you use for kind of all your general spend and you don't spend a lot out eating out, you may not want to go for a card that just gets uh, dining bonuses. So it's always good to uh, to keep that in mind. For a lot of people, I think that, that don't eat out a lot, they shouldn't even really worry about, you know, whether they're going to earn bonus points on a couple hundred dollars a year in spend. But if you're somebody who's spending thousands, thousands of dollars a month at restaurants or you have a job that eat out a lot and you get reimbursed, whatever that is, then you start to kind of look at and see if any of these make sense. And then if you want to focus on like a no annual fee card, uh, like a Propel card that gives you, you know, cash back, but there's less risk because you're not paying upfront an annual fee or something heftier like the gold, gold card, which has a lot of benefits and can definitely be valuable, but you have to actually work to take advantage of them. Yeah, I'd say sticking like to a combo card. If you're not spending a lot in um, dining, you know, get like a surpass that gives you a grocery bonus or the MX Gold that has the grocery bonus. So you're still getting the perks on that, but you have a secondary area that you can hit the spend on. So if you have a big grocery spend, you could use one of those two cards, but then you still have that backup for um, restaurant spend. So that's a good way to do it if you're not focusing solely on restaurant. All right, and let's move on. And I wanted to talk a little bit about my trip this past weekend. Um, there's several little travel hacking tidbits uh, to share, and then also a mini review of the Grand Hyatt at SFO. I guess I should start by Grand Hyatt at SFO is just opened about a month ago, and it is actually on property at San Francisco International Airport, which is kind of cool. They've had a Hyatt Regency, uh, and there's a bunch of airport hotels kind of south of there that are connected via shuttle, but the Grand Hyatt at SFO is actually directly on the air train at the airport. So it's about a you know two minute from the terminal. You take a couple stops depending on which terminal you're at. And you're right at this airport hotel, and it's beautiful. It reminds me a lot of the of the new Hyatt hotels in in China. Have you had a chance to look at some of the pictures, Mark, of the uh, Grand Hyatt at SFO? No, I haven't. I know uh, Ian Snyder said it's uh, he liked it a lot. He said it was pretty awesome, but I haven't really checked anything out. I'm not uh, an airplane nerd like you two, so that's not as exciting for me. <laughs> well, yeah, and I'll get to that in a second because they, the hotel does have a pretty cool views. Um, before we got to the hotel, we actually stayed. My wife and I had – it was actually our first uh, weekend away without uh, without Ellie for pretty much since she was born a weekend away for just the two of us. So we went to San Francisco and we started out, I actually needed to gain 800 miles uh, on Alaska in order to get MVP status. So we started out by using the CNB crystal visa, infinite hundred dollar discount on the round trip. Yeah. That ends the end of this year, but it actually ended up costing us like $49 each round trip to go to San Francisco after the hundred dollar discount. And of course, that qualified for Alaska MVP status with that. So that was really cool. And uh, have you ever been to San Francisco or visited the city? No, I have not been there yet. We're trying to do all the baseball California at one time with my buddy. So I will be hitting it soon, probably in the next couple of years, but I haven't been there yet. Yeah, that stadium, uh, the baseball stadium in San Francisco is pretty cool. Yeah, it looks awesome. right on the water. And uh, I haven't seen a game there, but we've definitely done a tour inside. I've been there. to that one. Got you, Mark. Boom. Ooh. So, uh, yeah. No, that's, that's it. Just a pause. Garlic fries. Garlic <laughs> fries. One garlic, of my, I bet, well, Dodgers is garlic fries, too. That's Is it just like a California thing or what? I guess. I don't well, know. I think Dodgers, the big thing was the Dodger dogs, though. That was always Yeah, but they have the whole stadium smells like garlic because they're yeah. big into garlic fries, too. There's a lot of places out on the West Coast that do garlic fries. I don't know. Maybe. Is, I don't know. I never thought about if it's more regional. Like yeah, I felt, the, I felt like I was in an Italian restaurant. I just wanted to eat some pasta the whole time. <laughs> Well, uh, Gilroy is the uh, garlic capital of the world, and it's in the South Bay area. It's south of maybe an hour south of San Jose. There so you go. There you go, listeners. There. Useless fact of the day right there. Well, here's a useless fact. There's an amusement park in Gilroy called Gilroy Gardens. <laughs> of course there is. That's actually you owned by the city. You ride a garlic. garlic uh, <laughs> they do. They have like a teacups ride, but it's little garlic things. <laughs> Of course they do. And, Yo, you're uh, joking, right? It's garlic cloves? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, the teacup ride. I think it's a teacup ride. Yeah, and the whole thing is garlic because Gilroy is the garlic capital of the world. That's what they're known for. They, uh, they grow amazing. 
And Gilroy Gilded Gardens it. is a beautiful amusement park too, set in the gardens. And um, they're actually famous for their, I forget what they call them, but they're these like designer show trees that you can uh, groom them to grow in different like patterns and directions. And they have them all over the park. So that's so really is cool. it like, is it like uh, garlic air fresheners in the bathroom and stuff too? <laughs> actually, it didn't smell like garlic <laughs> when I was there the one time I visited. So I guess your mileage may vary on whether it must have uh, been a windy day and you just day. couldn't pick it up. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, anyway, so one of our favorite things to do in San Francisco is to go down to Fisherman's Wharf. I know it's it's completely touristy and it's crowded and that's not a lot of fun. But basically, since we were kids, we were or my wife and I, since we were young adults, you know, 18, 19 years old, when we started dating, we'd go to San Francisco and eat sourdough bread and clam chowder and stuff. So that was fun to do. And we also stayed at the Hyatt Centric down in Fisherman's Wharf, uh, which I know uh, it's kind of a hotel that gets mixed reviews, but I thought it's it's a pretty good hotel. It's my second time staying there. San Francisco, I think hotel rates are pretty high, but right now because of uh, being close to the holidays, they're pretty cheap. So the hotel was only about $120 a night, which is a steal there. Um, Joe, when you go to San Francisco, where do you like to stay? Uh, I actually haven't been in quite a while. I think last time I stayed downtown. Yeah. And then also my sister lived there for a while. So I just uh, would stay with her. So, you know, I think San Francisco has like completely changed since uh, the last time. So, you know, I'm probably not the best person to talk about it. But, you know, I do uh, love the city and plan to go back sometime, hopefully. Yeah, it's really pretty. And if the Fisherman's Wharf area for people, if if you're only going to be there a day and you really want to see that part and kind of go on a bay, bay cruise and do some of the more touristy stuff, it's good to be in that area. Otherwise, it's probably better to be further uh, kind of up into the heart of the city. But the Hyatt-centric Fisherman's Wharf is a, I would classify it as a good hotel. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing, there's no faults to it. It's not special in any way. They don't have uh, any suites or anything like that. So if you're a globalist, you're probably going to get in a regular room. But uh, I don't think it's a bad thing. It's it's a good hotel uh, and I really enjoy it. Um, but back to the Grand Hyatt at SFO, I had the opportunity to, to see the presidential suite there. Um, there was a lot of other globalists there uh, at the time, so I was actually just in a regular room overlooking the runway. But that's really the cool part of this uh, of this hotel is that it has wonderful views of the uh, of some of the terminals, but also of the parking area that they park a lot of the big international jets on. So we saw like a Korean Air triple uh, seven, uh, Qantas. I think it was a, it was a seven eight seven that they had parked there for Qantas. Uh, Hawaiian Airlines A330, a British Airways 747 uh, parked at the gate. You can see it taxi all the way out and take off. So if you're really interested watching planes, this is an amazing hotel. And the glass is incredibly thick, so you don't even feel, you don't hear anything outside. The standard room, I would say, at about 350 square feet is a little bit small. But uh, most cases, if you have elite status, you'll probably get something a little bit better. I know a lot of globalists got upgraded to junior suites, which are right on the end of the building. And they have really good views. And uh, some even got executive suites. And then, like I said, uh, somebody I knew was in the presidential suite, which is a pretty uh, cool thing. But either way, I think this hotel is one of the nicest, if not the nicest Hyatt's in the United States right now. And I think that's something that a lot of people will want to check out. Interesting to hear you say that. Yeah, the service service was really good. They they ran out of a few things in the lounge. But again, they had a, a crazy number of globalists there. And they did their best. And the staff just everywhere they could went over the top to to really welcome everybody. And uh, I think that uh, it's a it's the location is great. It's attached to the basically attached to the airport. The views are incredible. Um, the, the hard product, the hotel itself is fantastic. One of my favorite hotels in the U.S. is the Grand or one of my favorite Hyatt's in the U.S. is the Grand Hyatt in uh, DFW. And I'd say that this exceeds that hotel in just about every way. So. It's definitely something to look uh, to check out if you were going to be in SFO. And I would actually use it as a hotel, honestly, uh, in the future. If I didn't need to be in the city and I had and I was kind of wanted to be in that area, maybe in the uh, head towards the South Bay or uh, had business in that area that wasn't in downtown San Francisco, I might actually consider staying at this hotel uh, just on its own. It's that good. So there's no way the breakfast is as good as Park Hyatt DC, though. No, the breakfast was actually probably a weak point. Again, their lounge, uh, it seems like they're still trying to work some stuff out. And the breakfast is in in the lounge there. They don't have a, a full restaurant breakfast. Yeah, the rooms themselves are great. And uh, the lounge had pretty decent stuff. Like, like I said, on the day we were there, they, they had some supply issues, I think, where they had a lot more people with lounge access than they would 
probably normally have on a very slow weekend. So, uh, but then they made that up by bringing like baking extra homemade cookies and doing everything they could to, to fill it up. So no complaints there for me. Sounds good. I'll have to put it on my list of uh, places to check out. Maybe next time we get back to San Francisco. Hey, I'm sorry guys. I got to hop off. My uh, voice isn't cooperating. So uh, yeah, uh, I'm not sure if we are, I can't remember our plans, whether we're recording again before 2020, but if not listeners, thank you so much for listening from me. And uh, I will talk to you again in 2020. Sean, Mark, always a pleasure. And I will uh, talk to you guys next time. Feel better, Joe. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Sorry, guys. All right. And uh, before we head on to rapid fire, let's talk one last thing. I, we talked a little bit about credit cards. We talked a little bit about travel and, and Hyatt. And now let's talk about gift card reselling because it's a time of year where there's a lot of deals. Um, Mark, you're not a huge into gift card reselling, but you do definitely dabble with a lot of different deals, right? Yeah, I'm not as big as I used to be. You know, uh, five, six years ago, it was pretty easy to to make money and, and to get points with various things that have closed down and then more people getting into it. The uh, payouts aren't as good, you know, back in the days where you'd earn portal payouts and eBay bucks and you could use eBay gift cards to buy gift cards on eBay. Like it was just insane. The amount of, of stuff you could rack up. But nowadays, yeah, I hit it when it's a, a decent deal, but I'm not huge into it. You know, it's just not worth the time for me, but I know you are, you were bigger into it. Now you're kind of not doing it quite as much. Correct. Yeah, like you said, time is sort of an issue with anything. And then, you know, as you scale something up, trying to figure out how to stay organized is important. And with gift cards, it can be so easy to to kind of lose your your organization. But like like you said, I started doing it back, you know, four or five years ago, kind of when it started uh, becoming popular in the miles and points space. And back then, it seemed like there was a lot more deals uh, to be had. Um, on the surface. So like you said, eBay used to have some great deals. You could earn 5X ultimate rewards with Chase Inc. And you would get a decent discount. And sometimes you could even sell the cards at a profit. And then of course, over time, as that became more popular, those deals, those sort of low hanging fruit deals kind of went away. And uh, and now there are definitely a lot of deals and in some cases, even better deals, but they're just not as, uh, as evident or they're not as easy as just kind of sitting behind the keyboard. But I wanted to talk about... Uh, getting started with gift card reselling, we've both taken different routes. Um, you've never sold cards yourself, whereas I've uh, sold cards on Raise, and I've been a bulk seller with different websites in, at various points in time. I think I've sold to uh, Card Cash. I think I've sold to uh, to Card Pool, um, to Gift Card Mart, and various other places. But after selling to those different places, different places over periods of time, I just decided I was doing enough volume that I would sell directly on raise myself. Uh, that's not something that's so easy for people to do anymore because you do need a significant amount of volume to do that. But if it's something that you are kind of trying to decide, what do you do? Uh, where did you start, Mark, when you like sold your first gift cards? Did you go to like a, a did you try to sell it yourself on raise with a higher you know percentage that they take? Did you go to a to a reseller like, uh, you know, the plastic merchant who we've talked about and we'll talk about a little bit more in this segment who went out of business. Who did you sell your first cards to? So I started with uh, ABC gift cards, which is uh, a part or like owned by card cash. I believe uh, the same, same thing, even though they have different rates between the two sites sometimes, which doesn't make any sense, but I was just doing the public rates and I did quite a bit of volume close to like a hundred thousand dollars over a year or two. Um, so I probably should have been a bulk seller, but I never even, thought to apply for it or anything like that. And then I got to know some people that sold on raise and, and other things. And I would just sell to them and they would turn around, and sell and make a little bit off the top of it. Um, so those were a couple of the options I went, uh, which worked well for me. Uh, ABC is probably not really a good option now because the rates aren't going to be good enough that you can actually make money. It's more for the people that get a gift card for, you know, the holidays that they don't want. And they just, it's a one-off that they sell on there, uh, sell to them. So I know there's uh buyer's groups out there that are similar to the plastic merchant um, that you can do where, you know, it's a big group of people and they say, we will take $50,000 worth of iTunes and you, you reserve a block of it and sell it that way. So that's something to look out for if you're just getting started. Um, probably the easiest way to get into it, I would say. I agree. The buyer's clubs can be, can be good. It's just a matter of you know, understanding where you're comfortable and, you know, and understanding that even if you trust somebody or a business, uh, things can happen. I think the number one thing I recommend people uh, understand is the float, you know, 
know how much that you can afford to float. So if you buy a thousand dollars in gift cards, be prepared, you know, don't spend money that you can't afford to wait a while to get back or in some cases even lose. Most most likely you're not going to lose it, but if you buy a thousand dollars in gift cards today, be okay if you, if you don't get reimbursed for that for a month or two or three months, and you have to pay the credit card bill and stuff like that. Um, I think that's the number one thing that people do to get themselves in a little bit of trouble. And if you end up having to pay interest on this and stuff like that, then it could really offset a lot of the earnings uh, that you're doing. And I did mention, um, you know, the Plastic Merchant is a buyer's club that. Uh, it's sort of been uh, kind of infamous in the miles and points space, but it was a buyer's club that a lot of people did a lot of business with. Um, I did some business with them too, um, but it's basically one night they just sort of disappeared and the owner had financial issues and it went out of business and a lot of people lost uh, money, including a few people lost significant amounts of money. And like, what was it like the tens of thousands of dollars, right? How much, what was the most that somebody yeah. lost? Do you remember? I think the, I think the most was like, in, like, close to $90,000. So it was yeah, an astronomical of amount of money. Yeah. So just be careful with that. And that's a person that we had all sort of met and knew. And I'm not going to get into the reasons or politics behind what happened. But all I know is that, you know, that he ran into financial trouble and the business went out of business and people lost a lot of money. So that's something to always keep in mind. And, you know, I guess that's an argument for kind of selling the stuff yourself. And we talked about raise. Raise is a marketplace. So you can list your card on raise and set the price yourself. And then they take a percentage. Now, I don't remember what the percentage is now that they take. I think it's about 12%. But somebody told me the other day it might be up as much as 15%. And I think that actually varies by brand. Um, so if you're just kind of coming off the street and listing a card on raise, um, you're going to probably lose a lot more and it's going to be hard to make a profit. Uh, but if you are serious about it and you're going to be doing upwards of $25,000 a month at least, then you can contact Raise and get into their bulk seller program, which will give you better rates. But even then you're kind of competing against huge, huge sellers and even these buyers clubs where they, they're doing millions of dollars in volume. So they have cheaper uh, commissions than you do. And so you're always going to have to be dealing with that, which uh, leads me to the next point is you got to find the best deals. If you can find the best discounts, that gives you a lot more flexibility when you're selling the cards. And uh, where do you find some of your great gift card deals, Mark? They definitely all come from miles to memories, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, you know, um, there's various uh, sales every year that you kind of look out for, like the Target 10% uh, off sale that happens every year right around Black Friday. Um, Amazon's a good spot. If you're using Amazon gift cards that you bought at a discount, like with Amex offers and stuff, you can use those to buy third-party gift cards. And they will go in streaks where they'll have discounted gift cards on sale every day for like 10 days straight. And then they'll not have anything for a few days. So that's another one. Um, eBay still has it sometimes. It's not as prevalent as it used to be, which is kind of surprising since they've made it harder to earn anything off of it. You'd think they'd have better deals or more deals, but they it's almost non-existent. PayPal Digital Gifts is another one that they'll do. Um, I mean, even like things that you earn swag bucks on, swag bucks will often have like iTunes on there is 20% off when you go to redeem your swag bucks. So there's various ways to, uh, to do it. Um, but there's, you know, there's five or six things that are the most consistent, I would say. Yeah. And one other way people are kind of making this all work is by combining loyalty programs. So they're using in some stores, if you buy gift cards, you'll earn various points in their loyalty programs. And those points can be used for other merchandise, or sometimes those points can be valuable to other people. So not don't just look at the economics of the card you're buying. See if you can utilize any loyalty programs uh, to make it better for you. And the last thing I wanted to, to talk about, and of course, like you said, we do cover a lot of these deals on Miles to Memories. And one other good place to find deals that aren't so popular is look at your local grocery stores, your local um, like drug stores. A Shout lot of out times, to Meyer. Yes. <laughs> yeah, these regional chains, a lot of times they have great deals that aren't available nationwide. And so those might be better for you, whereas because not everybody has access to them. So kind of look at it, those those kinds of things. Take a look at your circulars. Um, and the smaller uh, regional chains are very, very good oftentimes. Yeah, move and, near uh, Speedway too. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're expanding. Apparently, they're coming into California, somebody told me. And then like, like you said, uh, anyway, we have eight Speedway uh, locations coming here in Las Vegas. So they're converting from a different uh, brand. So that's really fun and exciting. And uh, 
you know, the, the last thing I want to talk about before we close out on this topic is opportunity cost and time. Just make sure you're factoring in your time. Uh, buying the gift cards here and there and selling them doesn't usually take all that much time. When you start buying in the thousands and thousands of dollars and you get to track gift card numbers and if there's an error or chargeback, you got to go back and find those cards. And it just becomes uh, it becomes very time consuming and it also uh, becomes money consuming because if you don't have the time to go back there and check these things, you end up can you can lose lots of money if you get chargeback claims or stuff like that. So make sure that the profit that you're getting in, in money and points uh, equates to the amount of time that you're spending doing it. And I think for a lot of people, it probably it won't. But uh, if you do it right, if you can find the right deals, there's definitely opportunity there. And a lot of people are taking advantage of that. Now, one quick uh, tangent, something interesting came in the mail today that kind of revolves around gift card reselling. Um, I had sold like, you know, back in the day where you could use Amex incidental credits for gift cards. I bought some Delta ones because um, if you did it in $50 chunks, that would actually count towards your incidental. And then I also bought one with an Amex offer and I sold them to a buddy who was flying for Delta for work. So I gave him like a discount and figured he would just turn around and redeem those for his work flights and get refunded fully from work. And he would make a little bit of profit and that helped me out. But um, I got a letter from Delta in the mail that says we have these gift cards from like 2000, early 2016 that haven't been redeemed. And I need to fill out this form and send it back. Uh, otherwise they're going to turn it over to the state of Michigan unclaimed property, which I don't know why they're doing this or I thought, you know, they don't, they're not supposed to expire for a lifetime. So I thought that was kind of strange. Have you ever heard of anything like this, Sean? No, maybe it's a specific law and I'm sure each state has different gift card laws. So I wonder if there's a law in Michigan that after a certain period of time, they have to do that. But uh, it's a good reminder that we have gift cards, get a good system to organize your gift cards, whether you're reselling or just using them yourself so that you don't lose track of them. Because we'd love to jump on great deals in the miles and points space just today. And uh, hopefully it's still alive uh, by the time this comes out. The Starbucks deal where basically you could buy a $10 card or $20 in gift cards for $10. It's great to take advantage of those deals. But if you like receive the email and forget all about the card, then you've just spent the money and you don't have uh, access to it. So I, I don't want to admit it, but I will. that I have certainly have found gift cards <laughs> <laughs> years later i do have a decent system of organization but i'm not always good about going back and like uh reconciling some off brands or actually i've gotten better about it but let's say things have slipped through the cracks in the past so uh yeah it's sort of crazy when you go back and you find hundreds of dollars in gift cards and it sort of is a little scary when you think about all the stuff you know that you could have missed along the way yeah and you didn't find but yeah i texted him right away i'm like dude have you not used these gift cards yet or what's the deal he's like no, I still have them. I thought they're good for life. And I said, okay, well, just use them because I don't want to get these notices all the time. So I just have to check a box, I guess, and mail it back in to, to keep them active. But I just thought that was weird if they're guaranteed for life. But it's probably a, a state of Michigan type of thing. But So I'll write something up on the site in the next day or two so people can see that. And I'm just curious if anybody else has run across it. I thought that was unique. When I saw, you know, you get those UPS, uh, USPS uh, emails that say these things, all it said was like, unclaimed property gift cards. And I was like, Oh, maybe these are my children's places. Ones that got stolen and, and the cops busted the people or something. And I'm going to be getting money back, but nope, I just got a notice from Delta that they're going to turn mine over to the government if I don't do something. So <laughs> I saw, I sent Mark on a side note. I sent Mark a, uh, an article the other day. It was about something with the children's place, something negative happened. And I said, is it, is it wrong that I still hate this company because of their uh, policy towards gift cards? Uh, for those that don't know, we wrote about it on the site, but, uh, the gift, uh, the children's place had an issue with a lot of their gift cards getting hacked and they just basically told people to pound sand and we all had to eat hundreds of dollars in cards that got stolen because of what a terrible company they are and uh, they won't admit fault for that. So I have no problem saying that because they literally did that to us. So yeah. shame on you, children's place. You guys, and, uh, I do uh, <laughs> just, I don't have any bad feelings towards anybody who works for the company, but uh, not a fan of the company itself. And, uh, That'll do it for, for this. We'll head into rapid fire and uh, we're going to talk about a few things, including the American Airlines shutdown emails that people have been getting. So let's get right into that. You're going to start off with one that I think a lot of our readers will will like, right? They're going to talk about the Chase Freedom first quarter categories. Anything good in the first quarter? Uh, it's okay. Uh, depending on who you are, I guess. The, uh, the categories are gas stations, select service streaming services, 
So like your Netflix, Hulu, stuff like that. And then internet, cable, and phone services, which for anybody that doesn't have like an Ink Cash or an Ink Plus, internet, cable, phone, that's great. Uh, you know, that's usually a hundred bucks or more a month. You can hit those, get your uh, get your points that way. Uh, streaming services, another thing that if you have Ink Cash, you should be paying with that anyway, like Netflix codes for five times. But if you don't have it, um, this would be great for freedom, although it's kind of a pain to switch. So I don't know for something yeah. that costs, you know, 10, 20 bucks a month if it's really worth the hassle. So maybe just scratch that one out altogether. I was going to say, I agree with you on the, uh, on the amount of, uh, if it, for small charges, I'd rather earn less points and keep it on a card than have to keep switching stuff around and, and remember to do it. Yeah. It's really annoying. So don't even worry about that one. So the main one people will focus on is gas stations. If you don't have a car or you live in like New York city or something where you're, you're doing transit and, this is kind of useless to you. A um, couple of ideas that I had that you could try is like Speedway around me. Which So Speedway runs a whole bunch of uh, gift card deals quite a bit. Like uh, they did one where you, you could buy like a $100 Home Depot gift card and you'd get $15 back in a Speedway gas card, which is pretty awesome. So they run those type of deals. Um, so that's one way to do it. 7-Eleven will code as a, as a gas station, even if they don't sell fuel a lot of times for Visa. So if you have one that sells Visa gift cards, you can do do that purchases there for that. Um, and lastly, I was thinking um, if you go to like a Kroger or your local grocery store that has a gas station attached, often they'll sell store gift cards in there. So you could buy a gift card and then use that for groceries and it should code as five times. I would probably do a small purchase on that one to make sure it works properly and then check it uh, a couple days later. But those are my ideas. Do you have any that you were kicking around, Sean? No, I think your post on the site uh, did a good job of covering it all. Um, I've always had trouble getting gift cards at gas stations here in Vegas. Hopefully Speedway will change that luck, but uh, I think that you covered it pretty well. It's not the it's not the best set of categories, but certainly far from the worst and I think most people will be able to find some opportunity to max those out. Yeah, I think 7-Eleven's a big one. All right, and now on to the uh, second rapid fire is going to be airline shopping portals. Um, the best times for these airline portals generally are back to school. They always hold promotions and then they hold various shopping promotions. And right now it looks like Alaska United and American all have different promotions going through uh, December 22nd and uh, Alaska, you can earn uh, spend 200 earn 500 bonus miles. United is the same. And an American has a two tiered structure. So you can go to check out the post on a miles to memories to uh, get the exact details. These are really great promotions to earn. In some cases, you're earning three to five X on top of what the normal portal payout is. So that's really, really good. And it's also a great way to like extend the expiration date on your miles. I just got an email yesterday about my son's Advantage account. And he has over 40,000 Advantage miles just from flying over the various years. And I always forget to redeem them. One of these days I will. But anyway, his uh, he hasn't had any activity in a while and his miles are going to expire in March. So this is a great opportunity. I'll take advantage of... Uh, this portal promotion to not only extend his uh, expiration, but also to uh, earn him some cool miles. All right. And close it out with just another quick rapid fire. Yeah. So people have been freaking out a little bit about American airlines uh, for good reason. The last um, couple weeks uh, accounts have been locked. And one of the ways to tell was to call the 1-800 number. And if you got automatically transferred after plugging in your account info, then you kind of knew that your account was locked or if you tried to book a flight, it wouldn't work. Um, so it, it just came out that on December 5th, some emails were sent out to certain account holders that said that their account has been shut down, their flights have been canceled and their miles have been forfeited. So that was like the first wave. Um, last week we wrote about another round of people that their accounts were locked. No emails have gone out to them. Um, so th- it's kind of up in the air there, but it's it's assumed that they'll be getting a similar email in the next few few weeks, week or two, um, but nothing's for sure. So I know a lot of people are freaking out. Um, the The belief is that a lot of this came from people churning city AA cards with mailers by setting up like fake accounts so that they would get targeted to mailers and then they would use it on their their personal account that their account was tied to. So they were, you know, amassing hundreds of thousands of miles per year, signing up for multiple credit cards and American Airlines took that as fraudulent uh, activity, gaming the system. So they closed those accounts. Uh, I'm not sure if other things are involved, but that's what everybody's guess is at this point. 
Yeah, we still don't know a lot, and I guess over time we'll learn some more. But uh, it seems like people who had stretched the rules um, triggered something within American Airlines. And so there's a lot of speculation about what exactly caused it, but I don't know that we know 100% uh, what's going on yet, but uh, it seems like people have, you know, had a catastrophic loss in some cases of uh, access to their account and uh, their miles. So I guess we'll keep updating people on that. Any thoughts? Do you know anybody who, you know, has been shut down who kind of knows for sure why it happened? I know a couple people have uh, speculated that if somebody's done three of the mailers in the last 12 months, they think that was like the start of the kickoff. Um, other people have speculated that they were selling flights or selling miles. Um, so that that's an activity that Americans always looked against. Now I was kind of, when I first heard about this, I was kind of surprised because I thought it would come from city. If anybody thinking that, you know, American airlines gets paid for these miles, regardless of how people get them. So what, what do they care if it's, you know, one person or two people or whatever, they're getting the miles purchased from city. But I had read, I think it was lucky on one mile at a time that wrote that he thinks that um, American airlines, front some of that cost for the uh the welcome offer so i'm guessing that's why they finally got on board and and shut these accounts down but i'm still surprised that it wasn't more cities doing what do you think about that yeah i think in a lot of cases when it comes to uh co-branded cards there is some sort of financial arrangement between the banks and the and the brands and it does make sense that they would front some of that um, because it is uh tying into that arrangement but certainly I think that maybe the behavior of doing multiple mailers combined with people having so many miles that they are booking for a lot of other people may have been a, a trigger. Like you said, in the, in the past, American has been fairly aggressive in trying to shut down people selling miles. Um, but I do know uh, anecdotally from people that it, you know, it's not a widespread practice, but people certainly do it. So uh, we'll have to see. And then we don't know with all these data points that people are telling the truth either or how far they went. But I do know a few people who are shut down as well. And uh, it does seem like the mailers have something to do with it. So uh, we'll, we'll cover more as we know it. And uh, as, but for now, this is going to be it for the show. Uh, as a reminder, you can subscribe to the podcast, mtmpodcast.com. That's all the links for uh, Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, Spotify. Leave us a great review if you like the show. Tell a friend. And uh, Mark, if they want anybody wants to get a hold of you during the week, where can they find you? You can find me on the website, Miles to Memories. Uh, just comment on any of my articles and I will respond to you there. I'm in the Facebook group, uh, which we have like 10,000, 11,000 members. So if you're in there, uh, just tag me in something if you have a direct question or, or send me a message on Facebook. Or you can email me at mark at miles to memories.com. How about you, Sean? Yeah, Sean at milestomemories.com. I'm uh, at Best Disney Hacks on Twitter as my personal Twitter. And then, of course, at Miles to Memories on Twitter and on Facebook. And yeah, join our, uh, we have several different Facebook communities. We have a Miles and Points community with about 11,000 people. We have a growing Disney community. And uh, our reselling community uh, with 2,000 people has been getting some more action lately as well. So join any of those and uh, come chat with us online. Until next time, uh, we will talk to you soon and have a great week. Happy holidays if we don't uh, talk to you before then. So, later. I actually have the sexy rose gold version of this card. Oh my god, my and oh, and, a, and an earthquake. Good job. <laughs> and an earthquake. Oh my God. Too. Freaking job. Like that's what you get for arm just collapsed. That's what you get for trying to be in a, a, a braggy brag scene. <laughs> oh my God. Hold on, I'm trying to fix it. Like the whole, all right, I'll, 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 I'll have the sexy rose gold. <laughs> hey guys, we're going on break after this one, right? We're gonna take a holiday break. We need a little break, I think. Uh-oh.